is the Holy Spirit? That's the question of the day on Abounding Grace. As we're studying through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll understand now who the Spirit is. Not just what the Spirit does. Not just how the Spirit works. Not just the giftings and the diversities and the activities and the manifestations. So much time is spent on the gifts without a full understanding of who the giver is, the person of the Holy Spirit. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Ask 10 people on the street who is the Holy Spirit and you might get 10 very different answers. And many are under the impression that he's just some inanimate force out there. But today on Abounding Grace, we'll learn the truth about the Holy Spirit and who he really is. He's a person, has a will and emotions, speaks and empowers the believer, for starters. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with more about our great helper from 1 Corinthians 12. I want you to be very, very careful as you're studying the work of the Holy Spirit. Nowhere does the Bible teach us that the Spirit drives us like cattle. Get going. Drives us like cattle. Wha-bam! And just beating us on the back. Get moving. No, instead the Bible says, I don't know if that's like, that's the right noise. That's just the one that came up. I'm not sure. <laughs> Is that the right noise, you uh, Eastern friends? <laughs> the Holy Spirit leads us. Romans chapter 8, listen. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. There's life in being led. If you're in Romans 8, look at verse 27. The Spirit of God doesn't drive us and push us and prod us. If you're an unbeliever, the Spirit prods you. We learned that with Saul of Tarsus. He was kicking what? Against the goads. That's painful. Come on. You know I love you. You know I sent Jesus for you. Every time you watch a football game, there's that crazy guy right in the the uprights. John 3.16. You got to see it. You got to do something with it. You might have trained yourself to resist it. It's the most known, widely, absolute, most popular verse known around the world, the love of God. His care and concern for his creation. Very similar to his heart that he demonstrated right in the book of Genesis. Adam and Eve fall into gross sin. They run away and try to hide from God. And the voice of God comes and he says, where are you? Where are you? Can you hear the voice of God today, friend? Where are you? You really think you can run from me? You really think you can cover your sin? Do you really think nobody sees it? Do you really think those feelings are ever going to go away? Do you really think you can avoid conviction? Where are you? Longing for relationship. God so loved this world that he sent Jesus Christ to, to die. 
as a sacrifice, an exchange. The only way new life comes into your life is through an exchange. Your life for his life. Your unrighteousness for his righteousness. Your sinful habits for his righteous direction in life. Your lostness for his foundness. Your eternal damnation exchanged for his eternal life. It's just the way it is. Although it's not a popular topic today, you need to understand that hell is real. That it's reserved for those that have rejected God. Let's look at it a different way. Let's just think of hell as an extension of your life here. Apart from the weeping and gnashing of teeth and the gross, horrible pain and suffering that people will experience in hell because they've chosen to go to hell. They've chosen to resist God. As real as heaven is, hell is just as real. Created by God himself. For the, it wasn't even created for man. Was, the Bible says hell was created for the devil in his demonic realm. It becomes that final resting place of separation I use that word resting place. It's really no rest. That final place of separation from God. But let me tell you something. It's only an extension of the decision you're making right now. It it doesn't make any sense to me that you want to resist God your whole life, but then you want heaven thrown in at the end. I don't want anything to do with God right now. I don't want to live for God right now. I don't care about sin. You can't tell me, preacher, what sin is. Stop dropping the Bible on me. Stop. And then all of a sudden, right at the end, oh, you know, I, I think I changed my mind. God is just going to give you what you've asked for your whole life. This life, while you're alive right now, this is the time to decide. There is no second chance after death. There is no place where you can go to pay some medial sin and some price for sins. There's no way that your family can get you out of hell. They can't buy you out of hell. They can't pray you out of hell. If you choose today to reject Jesus Christ, you are headed to a Christless eternity. There is no way out. The way out is today. The way out is to choose Jesus today. If you think of hell just as an extension of your regular everyday life now, except far worse, then you'll understand. God's just going to give you your desire. You want to go to hell? He'll give it to you. You want to resist him? He'll let you. You, you want to find your life in a, You want to find your place, your, your, your manner of life to be one that resists God in everything that you do? Then God will grant you your wish. The alternative is also true. You respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You repent of your sins. It's almost like you're on a train toward hell and you just jump off the train. I'm not going there anymore. And you turn around and you start going the opposite direction toward the things of God. God will rescue you. He'll deliver you. He'll bring you out of the pit of despair and out of the miry clay. He'll put your feet on a solid rock. He'll give you your desire. You desire Jesus, he'll give you that desire. You respond to the conviction of sin. It's not even something you can take credit for. You're merely responding to the great love initiator. God has initiated, you respond. God has brought about the truth, you respond. That's the way out, by the way, friends. 
That's the big picture for those of you that aren't saved tonight. You know who you are. We can use whatever language we want. You're lost. You're not saved. You're living in sin. You hate God. Whatever, you, whatever category you are, the love of God still comes to you, and there's still opportunity tonight to repent. But friend, understand, that's the way out of every trap in your life is to repent. So you've been walking with the Lord for a while and you got caught in one of those bear traps of sin. You've seen those bear traps, right? They go, bam! Can you imagine? That's like your life, bam! And now you're stuck. How do I get out? And so there, you know, a lot of people, well, they're just, I'm going to gnaw my leg off. That's what I'm going to do, you know? I'm just going to bite my leg off and I'm going to leave it there. And, and there's a lot of people limping around trying to deal with their own sin and their own strength and their own wisdom. And I'm, you know, I'm going to gnaw this leg off and then my hand gets caught and I'm just going to, I'm just going to take care of it. No, it's, it's the same thing. You still, you just come to a place of repentance. And the healer, the comforter comes and he opens that trap and begins to bring healing to that pain. Oh, it might scar up a little bit. It might be a reminder like, oh man, don't do that. Now that's your message, isn't it? Don't you go there. I've already been there, man, and it hurts. It was painful. It, it, I was trapped. I was stuck. And God, he rescued me again and again and again and again and again. The Holy Spirit is a person. He works in your lives. He calls men to service. He leads. He intercedes for you. The Holy Spirit prays for you and me. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 27. It says, he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Jesus prays for you. The Holy Spirit prays for you. Why? The Holy Spirit is a person. The third person of the Godhead. You can jot these down. The Holy Spirit speaks. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. The Holy Spirit regenerates us. He brings new life into our lives. John chapter 3 speaks of the regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. We've looked at it already. The Holy Spirit indwells a believer. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that dwells in us. The Spirit empowers believers, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Some inanimate force doesn't do this. Some inanimate, I'm going to empower you. And I'm going to speak to you. It's just not the Bible. It's made up by some man somewhere, probably ignorant of things spiritual. Just skipped over this section. Paul says, I don't want you guys to be ignorant. There is a spiritual person that wants to indwell you and work through you. In John chapter 4, verse 14, the Bible says that the Spirit of God satisfies your needs. A fountain of living water springing up into life, the Spirit is described as. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, the Spirit is the seal of our salvation. You're just sealed up. You, know, you could buy one of those things at Costco, those flavor pack sealer thing. You just put that stuff in your freezer. The Holy Spirit seals you up. You're taken care of. You're covered. Sucking out all the bad stuff and keeping the good stuff right there and sealed up. That's the strength, that, the confidence you can have in your salvation is because the Spirit has sealed you. You're covered. 
I mentioned this as well in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. The Spirit is the guarantee. You ever doubt your salvation? Then memorize Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 5. If you're one of those ones that's always doubting whether you're saved or not, then listen to this. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. When God guarantees something, you can guarantee that he means he's going to guarantee it. You can hold on to that. That's a promise. If, if man was the author of salvation, like if, if that passage in Hebrews said, oh, we're looking to man as the author and finisher of our faith, we're done. Because men change their mind all the time. And, you know, I'll save you today, but I don't like you tomorrow. But Jesus is the author and finisher of our faith who sent the Holy Spirit to be a guarantee and Jesus, the Bible says, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not going to change his mind on you. Even if you have that emotional battle, that emotional battle where your mind betrays the very truth of God, where your mind is meditating on something that's absolutely a lie from the pit of hell, the way to combat, combat that is to begin to memorize scriptures of truth so that the Holy Spirit can bring them to remembrance when you're battling you can't battle when you don't remember anything, when you haven't tucked one away. No, no, the Spirit's my guarantee. I rest on that. God's working all things together for the good. I rest on that. God is sealed. I rest on that. If I don't get it about sin in my life, the God's going to send His Spirit to convict me. I don't rest on that so much, but I guess I do. Yes, I want the conviction of the Spirit. I don't want to get off on my own. If I try to run away, God's going to send His Spirit after me. <laughs> He's going to teach me. It's going to grow me. It's going to empower me. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says the Spirit of God is creator. He possesses the attributes of God, the Spirit does. Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The Spirit was there hovering over. He's taking care of business. Spirit's the creator. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, that the Spirit of God is all-powerful. Or the word for that you might hear is omnipotent all-powerful. He's the power, and according to Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the Holy Spirit is the power of the highest. Nothing is going to fall short of the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit also is omnipresent. That simply means he's everywhere. Psalm 139, you're familiar with that. As the psalmist cries out, where can I go from your spirit? Psalm 139, verse 7. Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, we're taught that the Holy Spirit is omniscient. We already looked at that one for another attribute of the Holy Spirit, but he knows all things. And someone that knows all things is omniscient. They have all knowledge. Why? Because the Spirit is God. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14, we learn that the Spirit of God is eternal. Same attributes of God. The Spirit of God is eternal. Where it says, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God. In Romans chapter 1, verse 4, we're taught that the Holy Spirit is holy. 
Now, we know that one all over, but that, that's all over the place. In Romans chapter 1, it's the declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness. As we're studying through 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you'll understand now who the Spirit is. Not just what the Spirit does. Not just how the Spirit works. Not just the giftings and the diversities and the activities and the manifestations. So much time is spent on the gifts without a full understanding of who the giver is. The person of the Holy Spirit. It makes sense now that Jesus then would send his glorious spirit, the parakletos, to come alongside of us, to help us from the inside out. And I know that we went through this very quickly. We covered a lot in a short amount of time. I'd encourage you to grab the study and jot these down because the next time somebody comes to your door, tries to sell you a cultish bill of goods... You have one thing that you can talk to them about. And I mean, you can just take the Bible, pull up a chair, get them a chair and say, let's sit. You're going to need two because they come two by two. So give them a chair and you pull up a chair and say, I just want to talk about the Holy Spirit. Is that okay with you? I just want to, I just, I just want to show you who the Holy Spirit is. And, and I'll let you say one thing if you let me say 30. Is that fair? And you just go through verse after verse because, you know, you're not arguing with people. You're just telling them the truth and letting the Spirit of God deal with their hearts. Letting the Spirit of God show, show them and bring conviction to their lives. You know, you know don't, don't tell me the Spirit's a force. How can, how can some force speak? Don't tell me the Spirit's some force. How can the Spirit that's some force like electricity know everything? How can the spirit that is just some from God, how is that possible? And you can use that. You can use that. You can use it. Be careful you don't poke him in the eye, but just how is that possible that the spirit of God is just someone that just is not a nobody. It's just an it. It's just a thing. But I just showed you 30 things in the Bible that reveal, and that's not even all of them. I just showed you 30 things in the Bible that reveal the beautiful person and the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, well, uh, we'll just have to agree to disagree. Yeah, you're right. But you're agreeing to disagree with all the truth I just jumped, dumped into your heart. And you know what's going to happen? They're going to leave with that very same spirit using all that truth, knocking on the door of their heart. Hey, I showed you. I showed you. Because re- whether an unbeliever is caught up in a cult... Or an unbeliever is just living for the world. Every unbeliever puts their head on the pillow at night with the same four things. You might want to jot them down. I like to remember it this way. Every unbeliever, when they go to bed at night or when they crash after, you know, they have blackout after drinking all night, whatever it is, they put their head on the pillow. There are four things. You can remember them with the word. They still have to go to bed with their self. S E L-F. Those things will help you remember these four things that every unbeliever, especially those that are searching after, they got caught up in some cult that's totally empty, totally powerless, totally lifeless. It, it, it doesn't, you know, as you're talking to people, you go, well, look, look, they're, they're, their group is growing. I can't call them a church. Their group is growing so fast, but they're dead. It's just a bunch of dead people getting together. There's no spiritual life in them. It doesn't matter how many good things they do. The good word, the good deeds are not from God. They're just dead spiritually, just like you and I were. 
Remember, you used to do good things to try to make yourself feel better, remember? Like, I'm all messed up. I think I'll help somebody across the street. Wow, that felt good. Until another, you know, thousand things I did wrong until I felt that weight. Oh, I think I'll uh, say something. I think I'll say I'm sorry. That felt good. Listen, the same four things. Number one, S. Everyone that's apart from Jesus Christ goes to bed with a sense of their guilt. They know they're guilty. Haven't dealt with it yet. Just like a criminal that's hiding and running away. They finally land in some barn somewhere in Nebraska and lay down on some hay. (laughs) They're still all worried because they're guilty. Why are they running? They're guilty. Why is an unbeliever running from God? They're guilty and they know it. E. Every unbeliever goes to bed at night with an emptiness and a void in their lives that has not been filled. Every single one. It doesn't matter what language they speak, what country they live in, what, how old they are, young, old, big, small. Why, it, it doesn't matter. There's an emptiness and usually it's just, I just don't know what it is. I just can't put my finger on it. Well, let me help you put your finger on it. You're empty, man. You need Jesus. There's that God-shaped void in your life. Sense of guilt, S. Emptiness, E. L, loneliness. Lonely, lonely, lonely. It's even possible for an unbeliever to be in a room of thousands and still be lonely because they're not connected to God. And even some of the relationships that they try to connect are just, just temporary. Loneliness keeps coming back because they're not right with their creator. They might be running away like Adam he did with Eve in the garden and he had a companion with him, but he was still lonely because he was separated from God. He needed to be brought back into a right relationship with God. And then the F... And this is a very common one. You know, the Bible says that Jesus Christ has conquered sin and death. And you know, unbelievers, they go to bed when they're thinking about their life. They have a a tremendous fear of death. Talk to them about it. Talk to them about what they're going to, what's going to happen when they die. Most likely, most people, I don't want to talk about dying. Why? Don't you know where you're going to go when you die? Don't you know that your hand is, your, your times on this earth are in the hands of a powerful, mighty God, and you're not going to go, you're not going to die one moment earlier or one moment too late. You're going to die exactly when God has ordained in your life. What are you afraid of? And unbelievers, they deal with that. It doesn't matter whether they're a cult or, you know, it doesn't matter. These are, these are four things that are common to every unbeliever. And if these things, four things pop up in your life, believer, the solution is to come back to the reality of Jesus. That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. And friend, if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety, I'd like to suggest coming by our website at calvaryaurora.org. Search for Who is the Holy Spirit? Or call and request a CD copy for $2 at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. We'd like to suggest adding a couple of apps to your phone or tablet. Look for the Calvary Aurora and Grace FM Colorado apps in the App Store or Google Play. They're free and a great way to fill up on the teaching of the Word wherever you may be. 
Just do a search for Calvary Aurora and both apps will come up. Do you, like so many, have questions about why God allows difficult things into our lives? Or maybe you're mourning a loss or just want a clearer picture of God's heart for those in pain. If so, The Prisoner in the Third Cell by Gene Edwards is a must-read. In it, the author explores the life and death of John the Baptist. You'll look at the seemingly unfairness of John's situation in prison and the heart of God in the midst of it all. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Hi, this is Pastor Ed. Here at Abounding Grace Radio, our heart's desire is to help as many people as possible grow in grace. I really want to equip you in God's Word so that you can use it as a tool to love, encourage, and help those that God brings into your life. Uh, You can visit calvaryaurora.org, or you can always call us, 877-30-GRACE. But every month we try to put a good resource into your hands and say thank you for supporting the ministry and expanding the reach of the Bible teaching here at Calvary Aurora through Abounding Grace Radio. So thank you from the bottom of my heart of all that you're doing to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. God bless you. Next time on Abounding Grace, we'll learn about the power of the Holy Spirit in the believer. We have that to look forward to Thursday with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Chapel, Aurora.